I wasn't terribly surprised. I thought it made sense dramaturgically. Hello and welcome back to Dramaturgically, the film podcast where I, Stephen Clark, dissect classic and foreign cinema for you, the audience who might be interested in these films. Today's episode five, like I mentioned, and uh, thank you for anyone who's joined along so far. It's been an absolute pleasure talking about some of my favorite films. And yet again, today I'm going to be talking about one of my all-time favorite films, um, which I will give you a little bit more of a debrief on in just a minute. Uh, but first, I, I realize now that we're about five episodes in, I haven't really properly introduced myself or my own background. So I'm going to take the opportunity now just to, I guess, give you a quick rundown of my background and uh, why cinema means so much to me. Like many people, uh, I was introduced to cinema at a very young age um, by my parents and my father in particular. And I have a I have a really great relationship with art and cinema as a result, I pretty much have have loved everything from Lord of the Rings uh, to the work of Ingmar Bergman to <laughs> the work of Andrei Tarkovsky, all kinds of stuff across the spectrum. And you know, I'm also I'm also partial par- partial to a MCU film from time to time. So uh, I like to think that my taste is quite wide um, and that I I enjoy all aspects of cinema. Uh, I studied cinema. Uh, I studied an undergraduate degree, um, a Bachelor of the Arts in Screen Production at Murdoch University in my hometown of Perth, Western Australia, and then followed that up with a Master's Degree of Screen Art uh, at WAPA, uh, the West Australian uh, Performing Arts Academy. So yeah, I I like to think that after sort of four or five years, I was able to take uh, what was essentially my passion cinema and uh, turn it into something that I, I was able to dissect in a more intellectual way and and as a result become a better filmmaker um, as is as is my goal. Um, I, it taught me a lot of different things and film school isn't for everyone and it has its ups and downs for sure but what it definitely taught me was um, I guess it gave me the vocabulary and and the the understanding to talk about these films um, in a way that I could never quite express before. Um, I sort of understood feelings and emotions, um, but now I feel like I have the intellectual capacity to to deconstruct what makes these films so great. <clears throat> uh, yeah, so I think I mentioned on the first episode of the podcast, I've always wanted to start something like this. Um, I've had a few failed launches and attempts at, at a similar sort of thing, um, but I've always been encouraged by my friends and family and people close to me uh, that I should do this. And now that we're off and running in episode five, there's no real turning back. So um, I hope everyone is strapped in and enjoying what I'm bringing content-wise so far. And without any further ado, let's talk about uh, one of my all-time favorite films. That is 1957's Wild Strawberries, directed by Ingmar Bergman. Wild Strawberries follows the story of Isaac Borg, an elderly scientist living in Sweden who is being invited by his old university to come receive an award, a lifetime achievement award essentially, 
and he this is a sort of a, a bit of a one-day commute in the car and he begins to undertake this alone at, initially but then is joined by his unhappy daughter-in-law Marianne so Isaac and Marianne essentially go on this go on this road trip where Isaac is confronted with his own mortality. He reflects upon uh, the things in his life which uh, eluded him, the things in the life, in his life in which he enjoyed the most and regrets the most. And a lot of these ideas are, are confronting him not only literally uh, upon the journey, but also in his own mental state. And this is a it's a really excellent film for the idea of, I guess, symbolism and. Uh, and a deeper understanding of our emotions, feelings, and, and how the mind uh, works, because a lot of this film is told uh, in a linear fashion and then broken up by little, I guess, moments of, of dreams or flashbacks uh, to to young Isaac's life. And he's such a compelling main character that he really, really brings this brings this story along um, quite nicely. So Isaac Borg is played by the legendary Victor Solstrom, who uh, is a Swedish actor and director who actually was um, a bit of a mentor for Igmar Bergman himself. Uh, and this is uh, Victor Solstrom's last role. Um, quite fittingly, uh, it's a film about mortality and it's a film about uh, the fleetingness of life and youth and essentially how we reflect upon that. Uh, Ingmar Bergman really was onto something uh, <laughs> with death in around this area because this is the exact same year that he released The Seventh Seal, which the film is also profoundly about uh, death and uh, the end of uh, eras and how people uh, deal with, I guess, their traumas and their and their, their morality and their faith um, in the face of death. And, and this film is no different. This film has got so, so many themes about regret and death in it, uh, jam-packed throughout um, and obviously this is a spoiler-free podcast, but I'll sort of break down, I guess, uh, some of the layers in, in which how Ingmar approaches this. Um, so we, when we meet Isaac Borg, and he's obviously in his elderly, elderly years, he's, he's quite a quiet and a uh, simple man, uh, he's seemingly calm-natured and, I guess, uh, a little cold and, I guess, uh, robotic in a lot of ways, but in no way do we assume cruelty or, I guess, um, maybe a meaner edge. But definitely this is implied uh, through his relationships with the people around him. So uh, we most mostly uh, this this is conveyed through his relationship with his, his son, who is, uh, I guess, an exact uh, replica of, of Isaac in his, in his younger years as a, as a scientist in his uh, 40s or 50s. Uh, he's quite cold, he's quite uh, arrogant and uh, sharp, but also, uh, uh, I guess, uh, temperamental. Uh, he's got a struggling relationship with his own wife, who is accompanying Isaac on this trip, Marianne. And, and I guess uh, we, we see what young Isaac must have been like. And th- this is really this is a really harsh understanding for Isaac to, to, to deal with and to come to terms with, you know, this idea that perhaps... Uh, maybe people saw him differently than he saw himself. Maybe he was caught up in everything he was doing with his life and he never quite uh, nailed the relationship aspect of his life. And he's confronted with this in more ways than one. So not just his son, but also uh, in the way that on on this road trip that he undertakes, he revisits his own family home. And this is a fascinating segment of the film because we're introduced to, uh, through a flashback, uh, 
uh, Isaac Borg's uh, young young love, um, uh, this this lady named Sarah, who essentially he loved and fell in love with and wanted to marry, but essentially because of his own uh, cowardness and uh, his own his own regrets from the time. Uh, she got away and she, she actually married his brother instead. And this sort of uh, representation of, of love lost that got away is something that maybe we can tell through Isaac that he has sort of thought about throughout the years, but maybe never quite understood how much that hurt him and how much that transformed him into the man that, that he perhaps came. And reckoning with, with this idea and, and with this, I guess, unresolved issue uh, is really quite painful for him and, and a very emotional to, to see to see an elderly man, um, uh, I guess, struggle with the, and contemplate, uh, regrets and these ideas of what life could have, could have looked like if his life had taken just a slightly different path. Um, and that's what this film is really about in a lot of ways. It's, it is an unflinching look at the realities of regret and, and if, and the choices that we make, how they shape us as people and, and it, it asks us, us a very poignant question, I think, and it's no mistake that, that Isaac is a scientist and has spent his life working and is receiving this award because in a lot of ways his life is coming to an end and he is now at the, the I guess, the natural point of end of his career where he's being awarded and, you know, everything has gone successfully in his own career. He's quite wealthy and um, the university holds him in high regard and so do his peers. But... It's quite obvious that the people around him do not. So he's sacrificed his relationships and his personal life for his working life. And I think that's a massive theme of the film. And something that Isaac Borg tries to, I guess, um, get an understanding of at first. And then in a lot of ways try and uh, reconcile with these people in his life. Um, Particularly through the character of Marianne, who's an excellent character. Um, she's, She's someone who is quite forgiving of Isaac's nature, but does understand that he can be a bit of an old, an old bastard for a lack of, of better terms. Um, and uh, Isaac uh, notices very early on that he actually doesn't know much about his, his own daughter-in-law and the struggles of her own marriage with his son. And, and to, see, to see a man, I guess, in his elderly years, see perhaps what is a reflection of his own wife and what she must have, have felt like being married to, to him and reflecting upon that and criticizing his own son for those mistakes is quite powerful because he's, I guess he's trying to reckon with the fact that he can't change his own life, but he can, through his experiences, change the trajectory of those younger than him um, who can learn from his own mistakes, which is something that I think is, is very poignant with with all people of, of an elderly age. They try and, and implement, I guess, their lessons on, onto younger people. Um, and this brings up an understanding that we are, we are the result of our upbringing in many, many ways, and and the, in some ways we are doomed to to trade the mistakes of the past, but in other ways, we can also choose to learn from them. And I think that uh, this is sort of a, a beautiful dichotomy of life. So I, I think it's important also to bring up the fact that, that what's so special about this film is I can't think of too many uh, films specifically in this era, but even now, um, that are centered around an old character dealing with, with such issues. Um, traditionally, in art, in all forms of art, um, main characters don't tend to be elderly men in their, 70, in their late 70s, early 80s, dealing with the mortality of death, because I guess that isn't 
isn't seen as a, a fun or traditionally entertaining topic. But trust me, with this film, this is a, a super entertaining film for what it is. And there is so much to unpack. I mean, the dream sequences alone and what they say about about death and the fear that surrounds it and how it, and the hauntingness of it all and how linear life is and how how we, we can't grasp back mistakes that we've made. It's it's truly some some really powerful filmmaking and artistry at hand. And also to go with that, I guess, beautiful hauntingness, there's also this melancholy and joy that comes with the film as well. You know, it's a celebration of life in a lot of ways. Um, while it is a scary film about death, it's also a beautiful film about <clears throat> the beginning of life. And, you know, uh, Isaac... Uh, comes across many young characters on his road trip, uh, people that just at the beginning of their journeys, and I guess uh, he vicariously gets to live through them again and, and experience those feelings um, of you know passion and you know like he meets characters that are passionate about religion and science and um, and love and and travel and I think that these things really like spur life back into Isaac and it's brilliant to see from the character that we see at the beginning of the film, who I guess is a lot of drained out of him and um, perhaps is looking for something to breathe life into him. And then as the film goes on, you know, we slowly we slowly get to see him remember certain things about life and maybe find that joy again. And that's a really beautiful thing. And there, there is a sequence towards the end of the film, which I, I won't spoil anything about, um, where, um, but it does involve Isaac... Um, and, uh, and a memory of his parents. And it is truly one of the most beautiful scenes that I've ever seen put to cinema. Um, Victor Solstrom, just an absolute powerhouse of a performance in this film. He carries the entire thing with such class and such dignity. Um, you know, this is a man who is, is fearful of death, but doesn't show it publicly. He doesn't show it outwardly. But just through the nuances and the, subtle, the subtlety of the, of the acting and the direction... Um, everything is implied and you see everything in his eyes. You see the fear, you see the acceptance, you see the regret, the remorse. Uh, you see the joy for a life, you know, contently lived. It's it's just such a fantastic film. And, you know, the, the, the title Wild Strawberries, um, as we go on, you know, we begin to depict that, that it, Wild Strawberries uh, were quite a feature in in young Isaac's life uh, growing them eating them being around them in his youth and I think these little strawberries are in the eyes of Bergman essentially uh, the moments in life in which we enjoy the the sweetness of life and how fleeting they are because uh, strawberries only grow for a certain amount of time in the year and and I guess that's representative of joy in life, you know, these these fleeting moments that we have to hold on to and have to enjoy while they're there. So there are a lot of other aspects of this film which I love apart from just the incredible poetic narrative. <clears throat> There's also a lot of, yeah, the visual style of what I've said, you know, the dream sequences, the way that they're shot, the beautiful black and white cinematography, which is classic Ingmar Bergman. And this is really when he was hitting his stride. So... The iconography, the work with the images, you know, the, the, the beautiful white skies contrasted with these uh, dark tree trunks and forests and um, different different elements as well. Uh, the, the Swedish countryside. I mean, like Ingmar Bergman is just in his absolute element here with the film and he absolutely 
knows what he's doing, and he's an absolute master by this point. If anyone's unfamiliar with Ingmar Bergman, he's probably one of the most legendary filmmakers of all time. Um, he directed something like 50 films throughout the course of his life. There's an excellent Criterion Collection box set, uh, which I would definitely uh, encourage people to seek out if they're interested in his cinema because it's a conclusive journey of his storytelling life from beginning to end. And, you know, this is a guy who started making films in the 40s and, and made his last film in 2003, I believe. So, I mean the evolution of cinema that he saw in his time and the way that he was able to keep up with it and um, still create great films. I mean, Fanny and Alexander was released in the 80s and is just as good as some of his work in the 40s and 50s. You know, this guy consistently uh, made masterpieces decade after decade after decade and was truly a visionary. Uh, and not only that, he was also a playwright and, you know, he also writes a lot of his films and... Um, one thing that I also really love about uh, Ingmar Bergman, and you can find um, this in a lot of his films, um, is the same acting troupe. So he tended to use sort of, I guess, a, a routine group of actors, probably the same 10 actors for a lot of his films. And the more and more films of his you watch, the more you begin to notice them pop up in different roles. And this understanding um, and, I guess, loyalty to these actors and their loyalty to him breeds such an interesting collaboration um, and you just love seeing these actors pop up time and time again. In this film particularly, um, B.B. Anderson, uh, who plays uh, Isaac's young love interest, Sarah, um, is is a frequent collaborator, um, as well as Gunnar uh, Bjornstand, uh, who uh, plays Isaac's son, um, as well as Solstrom himself, who pops up in a couple of uh, Ingmar Bergman's films. Yeah, and... Yeah, I, I think maybe just to end just to end this podcast here, what I would say is that Wild Strawberries, while it is the tale of an old man uh, contemplating the end of his life, I think it's a film that that all young people should watch because I think that I think that the message of this film is that we don't want to get to this age and and you know regret and and realize that we've taken relationships and people and and time for granted. I think that you know life is so fleeting in a lot of ways and, and you just you never know um when when death or opportunity will pass us by um so it's really really important to enjoy those moments of joy enjoy the wild strawberries of life i guess yeah great so thank you so much for joining me again for another episode of dramaturgically it's been an absolute pleasure talking about ingmar bergman's wild strawberries if you do check it out uh, let me know and I would love to discuss this film with anyone who would like to talk about it because it's one of my absolute favorites. So thank you so much guys and uh, we'll see you for another episode tomorrow. Have a great day.